0: Gosh, it's good to be back. And uh, just to fill you in a little bit before I get into my message, um, just in case you don't know why I wasn't here for a month, um, I, I work in two jobs. And that's, that's both a challenge and a privilege. Um, I never really set out to do that. But it just, we always thought the church would be around team. And, and it is. And so rather than have sort of one, The minister who does everything. Um, We have a wonderful team of people who work and facilitate um, the work of the gospel. So you know we've got a whole range of part-time staff doing a whole lot of things, and it it sort of functions better as a team, in my mind. Um, And it's also given the opportunity for me to grow into an educational career, which has so many overlaps in in church world and the gospel. So I, I work probably know three days a week in a school movement, that's a global school movement. I have a fairly major role in that, in in a global role, facilitating digital learning. So the integration of technology into schools, to put it short. But what that means is that, um, because I'm part of a global team, I need to go and be in different regions just occasionally. And so this was my first opportunity since COVID to be in different spaces and actually meet people face to face that I work with pretty closely on Zoom. It's funny when you meet someone, isn't it? Because Zoom is the great leveller for short people and tall people. And so you meet someone and you go, oh, I didn't realize you were so short. You don't say that. Oh, gosh, you're tall. You know, it's kind of, it's just this strange world that we live in. And so so many people play, play those roles, you know, we, we work remotely and stuff. So I've had the privilege of um, traveling a lot of hard work, a lot of school visits, a lot of conferences. We're leading a lot of change in different regions. So I've been in New York City for about 10 days. I went across to the UK, Wales, and into England, meeting with leaders in schools, and then across to Central Europe. I worked at a number of schools in France, Denmark, Sweden. A weekend in Prague. Gee, that was hard. Back to France. And then uh, I arrived back yesterday and it's good to be back. So I I really appreciate I've been tracking with you online. I really appreciate just the team. I've been loved you know the messages Adam brought uh, a few weeks ago and then and Sarah and I've seen Heather probably in there and Brad brought this amazing message and, and Ro just leading the team through that and and the team facilitating supporting that it's just been really really special. Thank you Cole for just even with one arm, <laughs> just pressing forward with the team and Ian and Rosary and Bev, I've seen his back. So it's just a wonderful, wonderful time. And Josie, I saw you on the drums. That was awesome. And Sarah, you were on that box thing. <laughs> Go on. Go on. So uh, it's just been, been fun. So we're in a new season, October. Um, I completely forgot about Daylight Savings, Completely because I got in late, and um, my alarm goes off. Thank, thank you, iPhone, automatically switches over. So I'm walking around this morning. My alarm goes off. I don't even know where I am, and everything says 4 o'clock. Okay. It's 5, it's five o'clock. Everything says 4 o'clock. Ah, it's daylight saving. So if you're here, you're doing well. If you're an hour late, I know what happened. <laughs> All right. Lord Jesus, as we come around your word this morning, we thank you. We thank you for the, just the blessing of your word and the life that comes in it. Anoint these words. Speak to us this morning in Jesus name. Amen. So we're in a new, a brand new uh, month called A Life Worth Living. And I tell you, it is around how do we maximize our lives? We've got our life, we may as well live well, hey? Like, like we've got this amazing thing called life, so let's do it well. Let's, let's live a life worth living. Let's not live mediocre lives or lives that are just kind of floating along. No, let's, let's live intentional, purposeful lives for a great cause. That's what this is calling us into. So I'm going to jump right into the start of Philippians. bit of an intro, here we go. Philippians 1. Verse 1. We're going to take some time in this book. We're going to explore it verse by verse, chapter by chapter. It is a great book. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul writes, he pens this letter. Paul is the great apostle who was a Jew. He was a leading Jew who met Christ on the road to Damascus. Incredible transformation, became one of the leaders of the church and took the message of Jesus to all the, what we call the Gentile world, the non-Jews, right, right throughout Asia Minor, which is modern-day Greece, Turkey, et cetera. So Paul is commissioned with taking this message, and, and along the way he comes across Timothy as a young man, raises up Timothy. Timothy's half Jew, half Gentile. And Timothy is mentored by Paul. And so they pen this letter to the church in Philippi, sort of modern-day Macedonia. Uh, You can still go to the ruins of Philippi. It would be amazing to see. And and what happens is that you see this in Acts 16. Just bookmark that if you want to go back and look at the history of this church. Uh, Paul is travelling with some of his friends. And and they really are, they've got this amazing message I'm commissioned with taking the message to all these cities, but the Holy Spirit is stopping them from going to different places. They don't know what to do. But and then Paul has a dream. And, and in this dream, he sees this vision of a man from Macedonia, saying, come over and help us. This is the background in Acts 16. He says, come and help us. He gets this dream. So he wakes up and says, right, I know where we're going to go. So they go to, to Philippi. They meet Lydia uh, who's a kind of wealthy woman, invites it to the house. They get saved. They hear the message of Christ. But they <laughs> – it's a long story, but it's a funny story. There's a, there's a this kid, this slave, who's got this strange gift of being able to tell the future. And this, this person starts annoying Paul. Paul gets rid of the spirit, and the whole city gets into an uproar in Philippi. They throw Paul into jail great story. Uh, At midnight, Paul and Silas are singing hymns. The whole earthquake, there's a jail. Everything gets opened up. They don't escape. They stayed in the jail. This this jailer gets saved and everything ends well. They get thrown out of the city, etc. So that's, that's how the church started. It's a fun story. Have a look at Acts 16 during the week and you kind of get the background to Paul. So when he's writing back to the Philippian church, Paul has gone there, he's planted the church, he's started it, and now he's writing back to the church. He says, to the saints in Christ Jesus. Saints simply means follower of Christ. We get a little bit confused. Some more formal churches, you know, beatify and sainthood people, but no, no, actually everybody, if you're in Christ, you are a saint. You think, I'm not a saint you are a saint. If you're a follower of Christ, you are a saint. That's what that word means in here. So Paul writes to the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Paul and Timothy call themselves servants. Not, I'm your boss. I'm the guy who started this thing. I'm writing to tell you what to do. Isn't that beautiful? He says, I'm a servant. Christ Jesus. That's my qualification, first and foremost. And he says, I come with grace and peace. The two things he wants to bring to the church is grace and peace. Grace is that favour, that idea of God's favour, shone and peace is simply the absence of fear. Paul writes, have that grace and that peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So that's, that's the background. And he writes this beautiful letter from prison. Scholars are a little bit divided. Most think he's probably in the Roman prison around about AD 60. Not a great, probably chained at arm's length to a soldier. He doesn't mention that up front. He doesn't say, oh, I'm writing from prison. There's terrible. Like if I was riding from prison, I'm in a dungeon. This man is incredible. He's He's not even thinking of his own circumstances right now. He gets to that later. But the very first thing he wants to communicate is grace and peace and love from his situation in a Roman cell. Amazing. And he's filled with affection for the Philippian church. He says in verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. From the first time they met Lydia and started the church until now, they have been partnering. That's what Ro mentioned this morning. Partnering financially, partnering in prayer, partnering in, in thought, intention, writing letters, partnership on the ground. He says, I thank you for your partnership. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That is a great message for us. When we doubt, when we're insecure, when things go sideways, Paul says, whatever God started, He will bring it to completion. Ever felt that about your faith? I remember when I was young and full of passion and now I'm not so sure. I'm a bit cynical. God will complete what He started. God will do it. God will see it through. If you've stepped out in Christ and started to follow Christ, God will bring it to completion. God will. Isn't that beautiful that it's not up to you? That's the grace of God. It's the, it's, the, it's the ability of God working through us to make it all happen. It's confidence. You and I can have confidence. Have you ever felt that you've got to pray and I don't, know if I, I don't know if I feel anything this morning. I don't know if I should pray. I, you know, I had a bad day yesterday and I did some things I shouldn't have done. And I don't know if I should pray. I don't even know if I can do this. Have confidence. God will bring you through to the day of completion. It's a word of grace. And Paul continues pouring out. He says, It's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I can just imagine Paul sitting in his prison cell thinking of the Philippian church. Just, oh, I remember that. Like just filled with love and affection. You get that sense of love from Paul, the the father of the church, essentially, writing back to his friends. And, And that's the tone of the entire letter. It's one filled with grace and peace and mercy and and taking us into another space that Paul is into. And so we have this hope. We have this confidence. If you're in Christ, we have incredible hope. We've got grace and peace showered to us. We have the confidence that we will finish this race, that we will get to be with Christ. Confidence. We've had every blessing bestowed. We've got this incredible wealth of heritage to us. Now how do we live? you see it? Like, like Paul's setting up, saying you've got grace, you've got peace poured out, you're partnering with me in the gospel, you've got eternal security. Like, everything is going for you. Everything is good. You might be struggling, you might be doing you know, hard nights, and, but, but, but actually the grace of God is there for you. So how do we live a life worth living? H- how do we take this gift and this love, what does it mean for us? See, I've just travelled the world and boy have I learned some things. I've, I've been in five-star hotels and I've been in very ordinary combination. I managed to get an upgrade to first-class flight across America and I've been in the back of an economy from Birmingham Airport with a football team cheering along next to me. I've driven in Cadillacs, V8s, shooting along, and I've driven in tiny little French Citrons. Give me the Citroën anything. I've been in trains. I've zoomed across France in a TGV high-speed train, and I've been in a New York subway with the people rattling around inside of it. I've been to C3, New York City. That was fun. New church, younger than us, eight years old, trying to start a church in New York City. How ridiculous. I loved it. Doing exactly the same as us. They're trying to buy a building. Same thing. Rented facilities, actually, rented by week, by week, by week. Two massive trucks pull up comes all the gear. We've been there. If you've not been there with us, we've been there. This is luxury. And I've been to the cathedrals of Europe and sat in a church service with organs and sung. What's that word? I'm going to say Eucharist. Liturgy, that's the word. I need to brush up on my church language. I've... Eaten food of the finest restaurants in France, and I've eaten one dollar pizza on a New York, New York sidewalk. I've talked to people every time I'm in a taxi or with a colleague or in a conference. I talk, I inquire about their country, I ask them why they feel about their country and the future and their hopes. I've, I've interviewed so many people, I've worked with people from all over the world. This is what I see. Everybody's asking the same question. What is it all about? Everybody has fears, insecurities, and everybody wants to make their life count. I tell you, it's it's a common theme. And everybody has a particular context, whether it's in New York or in Prague or in in Wales. It's it's the same thing. We look at some of those villages and they go, oh, how beautiful. We look at New York, it wouldn't be wonderful to live in a skyscraper. I tell you, it just doesn't matter. We're all the same. We all face the same issues. We've got to go to work. <laughs> We're dealing with relationships. We're struggling financially. There's huge pressure. You know, in Europe, inflation is just taking off pressures of war, pressures of oil supply. America's all kinds of inflationary pressures, political change. Everybody is asking the same questions. It's incredible. What's my life purpose about? And how come I haven't quite found it yet? And I would think that Paul is writing the same thing to the Philippian church. It doesn't matter 2,000 years ago. People are the same. Yeah, we're different on the outside. But let's not be judged by us, hey? Whether you're male or female or old or tall or short or young. Did I get that right? No, I didn't do it. Same question. How do I make a difference? How do I live my life so it counts? And that's what Paul writes. And he gives us some incredible ideas. Because here's the brilliance of the gospel live simply, live now, live present and you can change the world. You really can. You don't have to join a movement. You don't have to start something. You don't have to be some incredible influencer online. The gospel actually is really small. It's micro. Every day, it's a quiet revolution. An everyday thing. You can change the world from the small. Starting today. You can make such a difference today, right here, right now, every day. No matter where you are. This, this I love it. The gospel works in every context. It doesn't have to be, you know, a Western nation. It could be a communist nation. It could be a nation that's kind of under siege. It could be a nation at war. It does not matter. You could be living on the streets or in luxury. It it doesn't matter. The gospel works because the gospel's call is simple and clear and small. So when Jesus lived his life, he dealt with the small. He blessed the kids. He's walking along, he healed the one. He reached out to the one, the woman with bleeding, the the kid who died, the man who was blind. Can you see it? He says, a cup of cold water is all you need to give and bless someone. And so so Paul writes, he says, I give you three things. He says, it's my prayer. So you've got all this blessing. Now, listen, it's my prayer that you do these things to live a life worth living. You want to see them? Here they are. It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Ha, there it is. I think it needs some unpacking. That's a big sentence. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> let's, let's break it down. This, this is how you live, no matter where you are or who you are, so that your life counts. See, it's my prayer. Paul. I'm praying for you, number one, that your love may abound more and more. Love. Abounding love. The good thing about love, guess what? You can start right now. In your family, in your context, in your home, in your workplace, in your church. He says abound, like overflow more with love. Love more. That word love in the Greek is agape. It's, it's an action love. It's, it's a servant love. Right? Do, doing kind of verb sort of love. Not a feeling love love, I feel love, therefore I'm going to act. No, no. Act and you might feel. It's a difference. So love, love God. I don't know if we love God enough. Laura, that was You. that was Laura. That was amazing this morning. I got that sense of us loving God, with, with all of creation. I love that thought, that we're all in this zone, loving God. Yet, how many mornings have you started? And not even acknowledge God. How many times have you? Oh, I should pray, uh, but I'll just—I uh, should pray. I'll just—I'll get to it, God. Hang on, stop. I'm just going to get brekkie and I'm going to get stuff. Then I'll. But what if you just said, "Morning, Jesus." When I mean, the first thing as you woke up, what if you just said, "Morning, good morning." Okay. I'm glad to be alive. Thank you for the day. That's love. You're acknowledging Jesus. Isn't that cool? So love God, love others. Simple. Abound in love more and more. And then he goes on. That's the first thing. And, and it's actually quite easy to love people. I, I love people by listening to them. So I'm I'm known in my workplace, my secular workplace, if you like, I just listen to people, I ask questions. I don't try and dominate. I don't try and talk about me. I pull people out. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about your family. Tell me about what you're living for. You know, just, and, we, and that invitation into someone else's life, it's rich. And then mostly I can share some faith and some hope. I don't come and say, hey, I've got the answers. I'm a pastor, you know. You should read your Bible. It doesn't go anywhere, and it's not loving. L- love people. Get to know them. There's, people are so interesting, so interesting. And then people start talking, and they start sharing their hurts and their fears and their insecurities and their passions. And you just and you find yourself richly engaged with people. It's so fun. Love people. Love them. They're all made in God's image. So, abound in love, Paul says. Start a quiet revolution. But discern what's right is the second thing. Abound in love is the first thing. Discern what's right. Live a good life. There is right and wrong. There are better ways to live. There is good and evil. You've got to come to terms with that. I've talked with a lot of people and the world is fluid and the word gush comes to mind because Eugene Peterson, in his message translation, says this. He says, I'll just find it, live a lover's life. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so your love is intelligent, not sentimental, Gush. <laughs> you like that term? There's a lot of sentimental gush out in our world right now that people confuse with love, feelings, what I should do, what the world is thinking. No, let's, let's be discerning. And this is what Paul writes. He says, fill with all knowledge and discernment so you can approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless. Think of excellent things. Do excellent things. When you've got a choice between a compromise and something that's godly and holy, do the godly and holy thing and leave the compromise. Live with integrity. Live with honesty. Live with truthfulness. Live with conviction about what you say and do. Don't don't compromise on the core things. Have integrity about what what you watch on a screen or what you look at, where your mind drifts to, see, see, we take control. We take everything captive and, and we live an excellent life so that when we're talking to people, there's something excellent in us, something different, just because of what we are and who we are. People notice. People notice that you don't swear your head off. Every second word is, you know, I won't say it, fill in the blanks. You meet some people like that, don't you? I just smile. People notice that you don't swear your head off. People notice that you don't get drunk. People notice that you don't stay out all night. Live an excellent life because it backs up your love and it gives you substance, it gives you strength on the inside. And you, and you overcome temptation and victory. That's what Paul's talking about. But we need knowledge and discernment from the Holy Spirit to know where to go and how to live, what to pick up, what to put down. And then he says, let the fruit flow. Now, this, this is, this is the, the supernatural bit, okay? If we live a life of love, loving God, loving other people, and we live with integrity and excellence, being being aware of how we live, guess what? He says, he says, verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Fruit is what flows out of something that's living well. we got some strawberries coming. It's been a long time planting these strawberries in the backyard. We've got some raspberries growing. I can't wait. It's hard work, isn't it? We've got apple trees growing. Fruit comes when things are placed in the right conditions and they're watered well and in the right position and they've got good soil, see? You don't have to talk to a raspberry plant saying, raspberry plant, you need to produce fruit. It's been two years, I tell you, I tell you, if you don't produce fruit this year, you're out. I'm going to grab you by the roots and throw you away. Maybe you should water your raspberry. Maybe you should check the soil condition. Maybe you should work out if you've planted it in the right spot according to the sun. I'm no great gardener. But fruit is a product. See? Fruit is something that responds to what's going on on the inside. You can't can't manufacture fruit. Fruit is a byproduct. So when Paul says, filled with the fruit of righteousness, when you live a life of love, and when you live a life of integrity and excellence, guess what starts to flow out of you? Fruit, eternal fruit, the supernatural, Holy Spirit kind of fruit that comes and touches hearts. I've been in conversations this last month that I've got, how did that happen? I didn't set that up, but I've gone deep with someone and suddenly they're talking about their world and their fears and anxieties and, and suddenly there's an opening and, and I can share gospel. I'm not trying to force it. I'm not trying to make it. No, no, I'm, I'm loving people, living well. Guess what happens? Fruit flows. That is a quiet revolution. You don't need to start an organization to change the world. You don't need to kind of think huge. You might be called into that. Great. But all of us, all of us can live small. And live a life worth living. That's it. Isn't that simple? I'd love the musos to come up on stage as we're going to finish off. But I want want you to think on that before we pray. We have everything given to us. We have such a gift, such a blessing. Paul has poured out. So much wisdom here. And then it's our response to that. Can I just ask you to stand? I, I would like to pray for you this morning. And, and if you find yourself just in a, in a position, I'd love to pray for you for these three things. Just as, as your pastor, to ask God as Paul prays for his church. I'd love to pray the same things for you this morning. That even today, you can live a life worth living. Even today. No matter where you're at, God, no matter what age you are this morning, I want you to hear these prayers that have been prayed through the centuries. Jesus, it's my prayer that the people of C3 bathys that their love may abound more and more with all knowledge and discernment so that they may approve what's excellent and so that they may be pure and blameless for the day of christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through jesus christ to the glory and praise of god jesus come help us to love more give us your love in us that that love would flow out help us to to love action love go out of our way kind of love for the people around us and that we'd love you more include you in our world more that we'd talk to you more jesus let let our love abound and fill us with wisdom we may live an excellent life. Give us discernment about what's right and wrong, about what's good and bad, about what's good for us in our particular journey, about the things that we need to change and grow into. And Lord, fill us with fruit. Let fruit from your Holy Spirit flow out to a needy world. That even this week, just we can just touch one person's life. We can just find a way to communicate your love to just even just one person lord as, as we as we come and and we want to live a life worth living we've been given everything lord jesus now help us to live well that fruit would flow jesus that's our prayer this morning join with paul praying that over us Just take a moment to reflect. You know, you might be here this morning and you don't actually know Christ. None none of this works without actually knowing Jesus. The Christian faith is a connection to Jesus. That's all it is. It's not something you have to try hard at or got to do better at. It's, It's actually that Jesus came and offered us the way and paid a price so that we didn't have to. So, so becoming a Christian is not just about being a good person or a moral person. or it, It's about connecting with Jesus and inviting Jesus to live in you, that he guides you and directs you and loves you from the inside out. All other religions are external. Only Christianity does Jesus actually do the work for us. It's wild, isn't it? You don't have to try harder or be anything. Jesus comes where you are. It's a miracle. He says, right where you are, you can come and follow me. No qualifications. You don't have to be good. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to be rich or poor. He just says, come and follow me right where you are. No qualifications. You don't have to be sort of this level or that level. It's, it's a miracle. And Jesus has opened the way. And what happens is that the Holy Spirit comes in you when you invite Him in. And then you have a guide on the inside that walks you through life. Wow. And it helps you to follow God. Like it's a personal. <laughs> What's the word? It's, it's life on the inside. It's not just about your own effort anymore. You, you get inside help you would like that? If you don't have it, that's what you need. That connects you to Jesus. And then, wow, watch out. Watch out, world. Anxieties go away. Fears go away. Insecurities go away. And suddenly you live a life worth living because you don't have to prove yourself to anyone. You're just you. You don't have to be anyone. You have to kind of, you are enough. (laughs) Isn't that an awesome message of the gospel. You are enough. And in that space, Jesus come follow me. Is that you? Put your hand up. I want to pray for you. If you don't already have this beautiful reality, thank you. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand. I see your hand, ma'am. Three people right now want to respond to Jesus. Anybody else? Just This is your moment. Just making sense right now. Let's pray this together, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive all my sin, and help me live like you, amen, it's so simple, and now all you've got to do, every morning, just say good morning Jesus wanna read a really little scripture and we can help you with that and and cultivate God in you and the power of the Holy Spirit will start to touch people around you. But